Hi, and welcome to NARC, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators. If you are recovering from narcissistic abuse and need information, support, research, um, any kind of uh, thing like that, visit NARC Troopers. NARCtroopers.com, where you're going to find a library of resources from podcasts to YouTube videos, hundreds, hundreds, over uh, 500 in total uh, articles and uh, different resources. So check it out, and hopefully it's going to help you on your journey. Today's topic is sadism. Sadism is a component of narcissistic personality disorder. The covert narcissist experiences pleasure by punishing others. So a sadistic narcissist is described as a person who derives pleasure from causing physical or psychological pain to others. They are often charming and charismatic, which can make them difficult to spot, right? The word sadistic refers to someone who gets enjoyment out of seeing or causing others to suffer. The sadistic narcissist gets pleasure and narcissistic supply from inflicting psychological and sometimes even physical pain. Destroying other people feels good to a person with NPD. So why do they enjoy hurting other people so much? especially when they present themselves as heroes and saviors and gurus and rescuers and such a polite and charming and perfect person. Why, how, how is this possible? What's going on here? Well, there could be several reasons the sadistic narcissist gets such satisfaction from harming others. It is undeniable that there is a connection between a narcissist's vast envy and the enjoyment they feel when they can put that person in their place and see them, you know, get their, get their, um, uh, what they think they deserve, you know, to see them suffer, to see them struggle. How dare they try to be as amazing, powerful, talented, gorgeous, omnipotent, and all of that as the narcissist. They feel pleasure in other people's pain and failure. Um, because, you know, if their propensity to be top dog is examined, we see that satisfaction they get from witnessing the, the subject of their envy suffer and fail is, is that's the answer, that, that that's, what they, um, that's what they need. They deserve it, you know, they think, and, and they must, that they must, this person must be put in their place. Um, so in addition to envy, as sort of a root catalyst for their cruelty, sadism, and all of that. It's also a way to gain control and get power. You know, if you are, um, if, if, you, if you are a narcissist, you can get what you want through using either honey or the whip, right? They do both because although their charm and weapons of mass seduction are unparalleled and that usually enables them to get their desired outcome, sometimes it's just more fun to be cruel, malevolent, and heartless. And both strategies, you know, essentially get them what they want. The narcissist revels in your pain and failure because 
they don't identify with empathy and um, they identify with power and control. That's what it's all about. They target people with a high level of empathy a lot of the time, not always, but usually because, you know, they're easier to manipulate. It gives them a sense of, of great satisfaction and power to, to know that they can cause you pain and be in control and bring you to your knees. Dr. Sam Vaknin, author of Malignant Self-Love, Narcissism Revisited, defines the relationship between narcissism and sadism as a psychodynamic set of cousins. The narcissist is capable, is as capable of serving up pain um, in the same way as any sadist would. So what are the reasons behind these sadistic sadistic acts. Well, the narcissist uses torture and abuse, but he does so as a means of punishment for, for any perceived slights or, or transgressions and thus reasserting his sense of superiority. In addition to the joy of punishing others who have most certainly deserved it, right, uh, and have it coming, Although much of the time their victims did absolutely nothing to warrant the punishment. They also get immense dose of fuel or supply from playing God. Sadism leads to psychopathy and many narcissists have psychotic comorbid features. Hence the term narcopath, narcissistic psychopath, the hybrid narcissist psychopath. Why would a narcissist want to inflict pain and punishment, you may ask? Well, there are several reasons. First of all, the concept of the dead mother that left the narcissist feeling helplessly violated, threatened, abandoned, and left to die. It engenders an internal rage that remains uh, long after the narcissist grows up and achieves some kind of separation or independence from that abusive or una unavailable parent that um, has been sort of the root of all of this. Um, you know, it's almost always the mother, but not always. It's that person that's in that role. Another reason the narcissist um, like taunts and haunts and hunts their victims and then eventually harms them is because he wants them to uh, reflect his own inner uh, state. It is a kind of offloading of the chaos and suffering and shame that the narcissist holds within. You know, it's all part of um, a coping strategy mechanism, sort of a survival thing. Uh, and it's called projective identification. And you can dig a little deeper with that term. It's very interesting. I could, you know, you could have a whole book on projective identification. And it's something that every narcissist does. They project qualities that are unacceptable to self onto another person this, this um, true self, the, the qualities that are bad there, they want to offload those onto someone else. Uh, projective identification is an unconscious fantasy in which aspects of the self uh, or, um, 
or an internal object, I guess we could say, are split off and attributed in an external object. And that's sort of the uh, textbook explanation of what we're talking about. The absolute worst part of it involves their target. You know, it requires the person who receives the project the projection uh, to unconsciously accept this projection, which becomes a part of that person's own psyche. It infects them. It, it comes into them. Uh, the narcissist dissolves their victim slowly and hijacks their mind with similar techniques to a cult that programs and conditions and entrains their followers. The victim accepts this entraining, this brainwashing, and this projection, um, probably subconsciously, I think, thus becoming like the narcissist themselves in a sense they're transformed it's like they're you've seen those movies where they put on the little skull cap and and they and they flip a switch and some electrical current flows between them and then they they have switched brains but they have the same body it's kind of like that which is really disturbing i think you know this is more than blurred lines and boundary violations you know it's a complete hostile takeover and co-opting of the entire individual right and and that's only one piece of what keeps victims bonded to these pathologically sick people it's very complicated why we stay so what happens to those of us who have been punished sadistically and had our brains filled with narcissistic juice or electricity or whatever you want to call it. Let your mind go wild with that imagery. It's um, fun stuff, right? Um, the dark side of the sadistic narcissist not only causes long-lasting and sometimes permanent mental, emotional, and physical pain to this significant other, partner, person, or maybe their children or siblings or whoever their victim is, but he also gets pleasure in watching them suffer as he, as, as the acts become routinized, addictive, and the source of their supply. You know, they, it's not a one, one, one and done. It's, it's a pattern of behavior. They threaten the psychological and sometimes physical health of those who are the closest to them. Studies have indicated how the brains of abused people actually change. If that doesn't scare you, what does, right? Um, it, they change your brain. Uh, trauma remaps your brain, and it lives in the cells of the body that become addicted to the abuse through intermittent reinforcement, trauma bonding, and peptide addiction. These are all things we need to know about to understand what has happened to us. The um, neurochemicals that regulate emotional responses become dysregulated. Their vagus nerve becomes chronically inflamed. We're talking about the victims. Um, and this, this whole fight, flight, freeze, fawn response is triggered daily because it's it's uh, sort of an ingrained, inherent, innate part of, of, you know, it's hardwired into us as a survival 
mechanism, and so it just stays on high alert all the time, and we don't even know it because it becomes like chronic condition. They may, you know, the, the victims can develop PTSD, CPTSD, panic disorder, anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation. The list is endless. They can have adrenal failure, complete collapse of all systems, um, and even develop things like um, autoimmune disease, fibromyalgia. This is common. Look it up. After the departure of the, of the narcissist, they may suffer from prolonged grief syndrome and other maladies that will require a team of mental health professionals as well as doctors and spiritual advisors and healers and just all of this to enable to recover, um, which can take a really long time, can take years. And some people, they never recover. That's pretty scary, right? Um, if the victims, uh, if the victim is a child, you know, in their formative years, many will carry, um, carry on this, this cyclical nature of abuse and become abusers themselves, become narcissists themselves or psychopaths or both. They may also, um, develop their own personality uh, disorders that could be even other ones like borderline or sociopathy. Um, who knows? Um, they simply pass the pain along and keep it going for a lifetime and for generations to come. Ever hear about generational trauma? It's a real thing. You need to read about it. So what can you do? What can you do about this sadistic, narcissistic psychopath um, that is in your life and punishing you? Well, first, be aware, be educated, and know what's going on, knowing the facts of personality disorders and how they use projective identification and why they have to punish you to uh, be okay with themselves and all of that and cause all that harm. You know, it's necessary to understand that. It's like a prerequisite. The squeaky wheel does get the oil and the loudest voices get the mic. So we must make this endeavor uh, an issue to kind of like let people know you got to learn what this is. There's so much misinformation, disinformation, fake news, you know, um, just misinformed people um, promulgating. Is that a word that came into my mind? I, I don't know if that's the right word, but they're, they're promoting, let's go with that. They're promoting information that is like half true, not intentionally, but they don't know everything they need to know about this and then they want to broadcast what they do know so there's gaps and chunks missing that they just fill in with with um half truths and made up stuff it's kind of like what the narcissist does so you have to be careful what you uh read and what you watch to make sure that it's like rooted in in the truth and science and research and people like Dr. Vaknin, I think that he's got, you know, he's always knows what's going on, right? He's, he's got the, he's got the 411. Support and training need to be developed in order to recognize, diagnose, and properly respond to narcissistic abuse. And that's something that's not happening in our world of mental health professionals. You know, our health system, like every other system in the whole world in existence right now is kind of unraveling and crumbling and coming apart. 
it's making way for hopefully new and better stuff. I don't know. Maybe it's just the end of everything. I don't know. But I know this. You know, I know that people don't know what they need to know. <laughs> That's what I know. I know. I know that the people that are supposed to be the health providers to help you, I know that a lot of them don't know what they need to know about narcissistic abuse and about what it does to people. They just don't know. And if they don't know, how can they help you? So it is incumbent upon you to find out all of the information you need to have, all of the truth, all of the, the facts about narcissistic abuse and what it does to you. It, you have to take charge of that because there's the people that are supposed to be doing that by far the majority do not know how they don't know what it is you know um counselors um uh you know therapists clergy members even um social workers health workers um school staff that like school counselors like none of them none of these people have been trained to to really know so I think there should be some requisite professional development that requires them to go in depth with this, you know, do a hundred hours of Sam Vaknin, Dr. Vaknin's videos, instructing them on what, what this is so that they really have a grasp of it and they know what to do for you. They know what to do to help you, you know, because the consequences can be deadly if they don't. And it, this should not be trivialized. This is a big deal the inability to address what's happening and, and to triage the victims and to recognize and validate what they're experiencing and to provide for them the proper treatment to help them recover. It's just grossly deficient in our healthcare system right now, in our mental health care system. So people who have been victimized should be able to uh, sort of litigate, I think, and get <laughs> Damages in court in the same way that people who are held accountable for causing pain and suffering uh, to another person in, in a legal context, you know, you can sue for pain and suffering. Why not in this context? It, I can't think of any more profound pain and suffering than this. You know, it's my hope that these predators who who are mentally ill and pose a danger to society are held accountable for the harm that they've caused. And then, you know, if that happens, they would be either forced to change their tactics at least um, of how they're going to get fuel and supply. And they would learn how to, how to self supply and, and provide it for themselves instead of being so uh, destructive to others. I heard uh, it was Dr. Vaknin that said, if you look at a narcissist or something when they go to prison or if they're in the hospital or if they're in some setting where they can't just let their whole narcissist flag fly, that they adapt and they, and they monitor, they, they uh, modify their behavior um, to not be so um, destructive and stuff. So it's not as if they can't do it uh, at all. I think that they can under certain circumstances for survival, you know, and, and that in itself, you know, who wants to prosecute a person who's mentally ill and can't do better? Well, I don't think that they can be cured. Sure. I, I agree with that. I don't think that you can 
cure or heal or fix a person with malignant personality disorder. But I do think you can get them to modify their behavior. And if they were under some kind of penalty of law, and if everybody knew what they were, I think it would be a game changer on how they would have to feed. Um, so, <laughs> um, all right. So what do I want to say now? I'm suddenly lost my train of thought. Um, okay. 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 So, um, so where do I want to pick up that thread? Um, so to, to conclude, let me just sum it up. That's maybe what I should do now. Let me emphasize how much uh, uh, death and destruction can be caused by just one mentally impaired, sadistic, malignant narcissist who is pathologically disordered. You know, um, I read a bunch of research recently that said that the that they suspect six to eight percent of the population suffer from some cluster B narcissistic disorder. Six to eight, so let's go with seven percent. That's in the middle. That's a lot, right? We're not talking about just the kind of healthy narcissism that we all have. We all have healthy narcissism. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about seven percent of the population who have the pathological narcissism that is so bad it affects every part of their life. They have no empathy, no remorse or guilt. They have no morals, no moral compass, no concept of right and wrong, um, no guilt, no, I mean, they're impaired. They're, they're hollow, they're empty, they're damaged, they're, they are an absence of being. They have no humanity. Those folks, 7%. That's what, that's, that's the new number and look around you at what's happening in the world. You don't think that's increasing. I think we're growing a crop, a healthy crop of narcissists by rewarding those behaviors. Anything goes just when, as long as you get to the top, it doesn't matter how, I mean, we are, um, look at, look at, you know, I'm going to say we have a political leader who is pretty clearly somewhere on that narcissistic psychopathic spectrum. This is pretty much what everybody knows. Right. And yet they, he has such a huge following of devout people who think that's okay for him to do what he does, uh, in the way that he does it in this pathological narcissistic psychopathic kind of way. What do you think? You know, when that's the message to the world, like be like that, you know, you get things done, you know, he's going to help us have a little bit more money in our pockets. Yeah. He doesn't care about money in your pocket. It cares about money in his pocket and got you bamboozled. But I, you know, what I'm saying is that we live in a world that glorifies narcissistic behavior and even psychopathic behavior. Yep. So, um, okay. So let me wrap it up. I was summarizing it and then I got off track again with my little, uh, sidebar diatribes. Sorry. Um, okay. So, um, what do I want to tell you? Um, okay. So it is incomprehensible what a covert narcissist with sadistic tendencies is capable of as they, um, train you to eat out of their hands 
and grovel for crumbs on the floor. Just, you know, you got to remember how it ends. They kill you one way or another, one way or another. Um, they, they want you dead. And that is the truth. And that's the end result. And, um, you know, it, it's um, hard to believe that this is real and that these mentally ill, sadistic, narcissistic people, you know, it, it is epic and it demands attention and intervention and education and, and truth. And, and that's super important that we have that and that we provide that and make that and get it out there to everybody. Um, I pray that this truth of what they are will set everyone free. Um, so that's it for today. Thank you for listening. Um, and I will be with you again very, very soon. I had technical difficulties a couple of weeks ago. One of my, uh, two of my, uh, posted, um, podcasts didn't, didn't go through. And so that's why there's a little gap where of content and why there's more kind of squeezed closer together because of that little technical glitch. Um, but now it's fixed. So I'm going to put these all out there and you can kind of catch up and listen to them at will. And then I'll try to be, um, uh, be sure that we're getting like one a week because more than one a week, I think is too much and less than one a week is not enough. And please share sharing is caring. Um, yeah, you need to inform the world about this. So send it to people that need to know and uh, get them started on that journey of enlightenment so that they can protect themselves and heal. Okay, guys, be healthy, be wealthy. <laughs> well, that's probably bad advice. At least be healthy. Nobody's wealthy right now, or at least very few. So be healthy and try to be happy. And let's just be grateful that we're alive and that we're still fighting the good fight. Love you guys. Bye. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now.